Well, he did it again. Deja vu. Portland Trailblazers. Riding the back of Damian Lillard. A 50 spot. Coming back from down from 17 points. About five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. Down double digits to the New Orleans Pelicans. Man, oh man, is he fun to watch. What's up, guys? Keep it at 94. Spencer Davies, Brian Fritz, bringing you another episode as a part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. Fritzy, you had to see that last night. It was ridiculous. Uh, I mean, you're down 17. Like you said, it was like five, six minutes left in the game. And you're thinking like, it's over, but here comes Dame. And I mean, he put up a 50 spot and he only took 20 shots. From 18 the of 18 from the free throw line. It's ridiculous. I mean, they got CJ McCollum back, but I mean, he's rusty. You know, he wasn't expected to do much and he didn't do too much last night. It was all in the back of Dame. And, you know, the Pelicans got sloppy down the stretch and the Blazers can be clutch, you know? And like you said, Damian Lillard can shoot you back in any game. And you want to talk about a guy that's fun to watch. We didn't have this like on like the the outline for what we're going to talk about today, but like when it comes to the list of like guys that are the most fun players to watch in the league, he's got to be top five, top three, because for me, I mean, I, I love watching shooters. So like Dame Curry, you know, those they're probably one, two, I might be even put step number one and Curry, you know, then Lillard number two, but I mean, they're like right there as two of the most exciting guys for what they can do because they can dribble and they can do different things like that. But then on top of that, the shooting that comes into it, it it's just ridiculous. Bro, I wish I could look up on on basketball reference how many players have scored 50 points on 20 field goals or less. It's not many. Like uh, attempted field goals by the way. He went yeah. 13 of 20 from the field. But it wasn't just three-pointers. It was and he looked damn near exhausted. Like like damn near out of gas at the end of that game too. Uh when he was taking the ball to the the, the rim and uh when he was at the line you just saw him like exhaling and no wonder i mean the the dude was playing his heart out it was you know he was playing near 41 minutes but good god man it, it's just not stopping with him it like all of these moments i saw someone tweet out and said the pelicans and the blazers are the same exact team but the blazers are 23 and 17 because they have damian lillard that sounds <laughs> like, about right like it's it's just amazing what those moments in crunch time can do for you. And and by the way, to that point uh, with Nola, the Pelicans have blown leads of 10 points or more 10 times this year, uh, like apparently in the fourth quarter or something. And uh, again, that just shows the value of what Dame, this should be surefire MVP candidate is doing for this team this season. Here's the other thing too, that I don't know if, people have followed very closely and there was an article i i apologize i'd credit whoever wrote it recently and i can't remember off the top of my head but somebody did a profile on dame and what he's gone through this year and if you look over the last year year and a half and what he has gone through when it comes to family members and close friends yep that, that was athletic lost, that was uh jason quick from okay. the athletic it was an amazing piece to, and and you know dame talks about like physically i'm here but mentally i'm I am just not here. You know, the, the, the mental toll that this past year or so has taken on him. It has been an absolute struggle. And he says, it's a struggle every night that I go out there, but somehow he powers through and he did it again uh, last night. And he guided his team to this improbable comeback and pulled out a win. And this is why you can't sleep on the blazers. I mean, you look at them right now. I mean, they're in the thick of things when it comes to the playoffs and if they could ever get healthy, now that they got CJ back, if you know they can get healthy, I mean they they are poised to possibly do some damage. Yep, Dame's the realist man. He's the realist, and, and uh, it's just a joy. It's a joy to watch him just pull from thirty feet. <laughs> like, well, look what so he did fun. with the All Star game. I mean, oh yeah, <laughs> sorry, yeah, fifty feet for that, or a half court, a half court jumper, not even a heave. Like, like like Steph like Steph took a long one to try to close and didn't get it and then Dame's like my turn and then he he just closed it out with that incredible shot. Yep, yep. He's going to start doing that in real games here too. 
Uh, but I did want to say before we get started on the whole thing, we are part of the basketballnews.com podcast network. So make sure you go follow all of those great podcasts. We just added the Rex Chapman show. You got to go check that out. He had Del Curry as his first guest on his debut episode. I will get into the rest of who is on our podcast network later in the show. But again, just visit basketballnews.com slash podcast. We're on Apple. We're on Spotify. We're out wherever you listen to podcasts. And that includes us as well. By the way, uh, if you on- want a quick plug for yes. uh, Rex and you want to know more about Rex and his story, he was a guest on the rematch with Eton Thomas, part of the Basketball News Podcast Network as well. And everybody can check that out too. There you go. See, just kind of guesting on each other's shows. It's called synergy, man. Too, synergy. too bad Too bad we're not important and we don't get <laughs> those types of calls. We're not former players, so we don't get on those hits. <laughs> we're, we're riding on the coattails, guys. That's what we do. <laughs> but you can find me on Twitter at Spin Davies. You can find Brian on Twitter at Brian Fritz. And on Instagram, I am at Spin Davies as well. But he is on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. So, Brian, what we what we kicking off with? This is on you. Uh, you have a lot that you want to get to. Clearly, we talked about trades up and down last week coming out of the All Star break, and I think we hit every single rumor. And of course, later that day, there's a uh, you know pop comes out and says, "Okay, Lamarcus Aldridge is no longer with the team. It's a mutual decision. We're looking to trade him, find him a new new spot." So it's like, of course, the day that we record a podcast, this happens. And then a couple of days later, Hamadou Diallo gets traded to the Pistons uh, as a part of a, a Thunder move to acquire a second round pick. So there were two moves that happened very soon after we recorded the podcast and thought we addressed every situation possible, but uh, some of those things that we talked about in the previous episode are still on the table and some things, the situations have changed. I think pop was listening to us because he said, you guys didn't talk about the Spurs on your podcast. So I'm going to drop one on you right after you guys finish. So yeah, it was, it was weird because like the Spurs were the one team we really didn't talk about um, very much or if at all. And, you know, LaMarcus's name had kind of been out there a little bit. And we'd go, we were wondering what would happen with him and with DeRozan considering they're on expiring deals. And then, like, out of nowhere, Pop's like, yeah, we're going to do him a solid. He ain't coming back, and we're working to move this guy. Um, and, you know, he's got a high price tag, so we'll see if anybody will actually make a move for him. He might be a buyout guy. But, you know, when we, we talked about all the trades last week, I, I think at the beginning of it, I said, like, you know, there's a lot of teams that think that they're still in this because of the play-in tournament. So it could be a seller's market. But I I was kind of of the belief it was going to be a situation where more teams said, it's a weird year. Last year was a weird year. Nobody expected the Miami Heat to get into the finals. So let's go for it. You know, let's make the move that we think can be over the top. Not an not a ridiculously active trade deadline, but there could be some guys that could really help, you know, teams, not the biggest names, but like Kyle Lowry was the biggest name we talked about, Victor Oladipo. And then, you know, fast forward one week later, um, we're now nine days before the trade deadline. And I feel like I was totally wrong from the standpoint of teams are going to be in the let's go for it mentality where I think more teams are like, I'm not selling, but I'm not going to make the big move either um, or be overly active to try to improve my team. And maybe I'm just going to ride it out or some fringe moves rather than seeing some names get shopped around here. Yeah. From a few executives that I've talked to, it seems like it's more of a moves around the margin type of trade deadline than it is going after the big fish. So who fits that bill? So you have it listed here and this rumor popped up uh, last night, courtesy of Kenny, Ke- uh, sorry, Kevin O'Connor of the ringer. And that is that the heat are linked to Trevor Ariza in Oklahoma city. So that fit, we were talking about Trevor Ariza actually, when we were mentioning the veterans that the thunder could be moving. And Ariza was one of those guys that I mentioned would fit with Miami or a Boston or somebody that is looking to make that extra push that needs a veteran wing. Uh, you know, it, it and is essentially Pat Riley is doing Andre Iguodala part two on this. Is is he not? Yeah, basically. And, you know, they can make a deal pretty easily here. Um, If they wanted to just do a Miles Leonard straight up for Trevor Reza, throwing a second round pick, couple second round picks, something like that. I mean, the money works, even though 
the Heat will be taking back more money, so maybe they would want to throw in like another guy that that's low end money, and I'm not exactly sure which guy that would be, but they they could do that. And it's, I, I do think though, if if they make this move, I mean, another guy they've been linked to is Oladipo, and I don't think they would make an Oladipo move at that point. I think this would be it, unless yeah. they got somebody on the buyout market. Right, right, and I mean, Houston would ask for, you know, probably a a, a solid return for Victor. I would assume it would, you know, they were talking about Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero as guys that they would want to get back. That ain't happening. And that ain't happening, especially because we don't know, you know, Victor, he's been in and out of the lineup. He's dealt mm-hmm. with injuries in the past. He's dealt with injuries in the present. Um, So it's hard to kind of put a finger on, on what Miami wants to do. But, I mean, real quick, we could talk about what the Heat have done. I mean, the, the Heat are... On fire. Uh, They're heating up, baby. They're heating up. Uh, They just destroyed uh, Cleveland last night. That's not, I mean, that's not that big of a deal, obviously, from where Cleveland's going out of the All-Star break. But I did want to mention the heat, the way that they've they've gotten healthy. We talked about this early in the season, Brian. I never once expected the heat not to find their groove. It was never a thing of or a question of are they on a championship hangover? I that was never something that entered my mind because if you look at who they were playing and the 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 lineups they were putting out there, it was never continuous. And the only one who was was Bam Adebayo, and he missed the last four games. Yet they're still winning. And the reason they're winning right now is because over the last 10 games, they are allowing less than 100 points a game. Less than 99 points a game, actually. Um, Their defense is connected. And that has a lot to do with Jimmy Butler. Obviously, he rolled his ankle last night. Hopefully, it's nothing serious, and that doesn't keep him out of action too long. But they're getting contributions across the board. Uh, You know, Jimmy's doing a great job of leading the team. I, I think that Guys are starting to find themselves a little bit more. Um, Tyler Hero off the bench, I've been a big fan of. I really like uh, the young kid they have, uh, KZ Okpala, in his second year. I think there is uh, some real potential to be tapped into uh, with him. Obviously, Duncan Robinson, we know he can shoot. All you got to do is just you know break out of his slump and he'll be fine, right? So he's up to 39% on the year again from, from deep. So he's starting to find his stride uh, in taking more shots. I, I think that we haven't talked about Bam Adebayo nearly enough. And again, I, I just mentioned that he's been out the last four games. He returned against Cleveland um, on Tuesday night, but he has been just sensational as far as his growth. Uh, our Nikias Duncan has a great article on basketballnews.com uh, about that growth and the way that he's just taken it upon himself to to shoot more, um, to pull up from that more uh, mid range, and his playmaking is is still consistent. He's still rebounding the ball, but the scoring has gone up, and he's taken more of an onus upon himself to be uh, more of an offensive threat, especially while Jimmy Butler was missing all that time with COVID. So that was huge for him in that time. And now that you have both together, then there's that synergy again, and they're picking up to, to where they left off from the bubble. And I think they're just on this, this streak where they're just going up and shooting up the standings, and they're right back to where we thought they would be. Well, they've taken advantage of their schedule over the last week. Because like you said, they beat the Cavs, they beat the Magic twice, they beat the Bulls, they beat the Pelicans. Prior to that, they beat the Hawks, but don't hate on the Bulls. We'll get to the Bulls because we haven't talked they've about also the Bulls beaten, either. Over the last couple of weeks, I mean, they won eleven of twelve. They beat the Jazz, they beat the Raptors, they beat the Lakers. You know, they they've beaten some quality teams. And you know, going into the season, I know we we had talked about like was Miami a fluke last year going in, you know, to the finals or not? And I I really didn't think it was a fluke. I thought no, this is just a strong willed team that's only going to get better i think the heat are real contenders but you know over the first you know 20 or 30 games i really started to have my doubts about them because they were having so many different problems when it came to covid and injuries and whatnot and you know they were having i thought there was a little bit of a hangover from last year because they had the shortened off season and it just kind of it could be very difficult to kind of 
get back in rhythm. And I mean, that, that took so much out of them, I think. And, uh, you know, I've been wrong about that from, because finally they've gotten healthy. I mean, they're, they're still missing Avery Bradley, but I mean, he's just a role guy, but like Drogic is back. Bam is back. Jimmy is back. They got their core guys back. Heroes finds his groove. Like you said, Duncan Robinson's finally, you know, getting back with his shot. So everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. And this is a good Miami heat team that is, you know, moving up in the East. I mean, they're the four seed right now and we'll see how high they can get. I mean, there's still three and a half games back at the bucks, but even at the four seed, that's a good spot. Stay there. You know, add another piece that can help. Uh, maybe a reason. I don't know what he has left in the tank, but you know, he's a three and D guy. He's a veteran who's been there. He's not going to be afraid of the moment and um, just continue to build on what you got. And um, we'll see how good they're going to be. But I mean, I think people are really starting to take notice of Miami now as they should. As they should. I never, never once, never once had had no faith in, in Miami. You had more faith right than now. I did, man. I mean, I, I mean, I should have believed in Spo a lot more. But <laughs> I, I, I just I believe in Jimmy. Big face coffee. That's what you got to believe in. I know he's going to throw <laughs> coffee on my face over some of the stuff I said. But I mean, I, I, I was just it wasn't because I don't believe in the players. I just wondered, like, man just did last season take too much out of them and then everything going on this year. Can they can they get it back on track? And they've been able to do it. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, other trade stuff that you wanted to hit, though, before, um, you know, we get into our next subject. It looks like um, you wanted to hit on the Raptors. Uh, yeah, because we, we just mentioned that the word out of Toronto is, you know, now I don't think they're going to move Cal Lowry. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what his future is going to be with Toronto. I don't know if they really want to resign him or how much money he's considering he's going to be a free agent in the offseason. But it sure sounds more and more like they are not open to moving him. I guess the guy that most teams are calling about is Norm Powell. Yes, as they should. Starter Norm. Hashtag starter Norm. This dude's been on fire. Even with these losses, he's producing. Well, the question with the Raptors, I guess, right now is what do they want to do? Because, okay, they've lost five. Not lose Norm Powell for nothing. Right. But I mean, they've lost five in a row. They're 17 and 22. So they've been dropping and they've been dealing with a lot of injuries and whatnot. Um, the, co- the COVID stuff with them hit really hard. Right. Uh, the plus- nice part is the nice part is um, in this next stretch, they're going to get Pascal back. They're going to get Fred back. Like I believe both of them played last night. Um, Malachi Flynn, Patrick McCaw. I know Patrick McCaw is not really in the rotation, but those are important players. So that kind of goes back to what we were just talking about with Miami. Like when you have COVID issues, how do you stave off, you know, losing? Well, I think the other thing is too, like when it comes to Fred, like, okay, how good is he going to be when they come back? Um, Because is he going to have any effects from COVID? Like we've seen um, some other players have trouble with. Um, So how long until he's going to be 100% healthy. And then also for the Raptors, they have one of the strangest seasons going on because they're not playing in Toronto. They're playing in Tampa, you know, so they they're living in a hotel room the entire year, basically. So it's a really, really strange situation. And if you look at them, I mean, you can say, okay, we've got a core here, but how much damage are we going to do this year? What are we going to do? So maybe there is a case of let's move Norm Powell and get something that's going to help us now and for the future. And then also when it comes to Kyle, like, Yes, he is like the face of our franchise. But if you are uncertain about his future with the team um, past this year, do you want to move him now and get something that's going to help you kind of reload and build around the core that you have? Or do you want to play it out and say, hey, he just means too much to our franchise and we'll figure it out in the offseason? Yeah, I, I I think they stand pat. I don't know. I, I don't think Masai is really good at you know, picking out talent and finding, you know, diamonds in the rough, so to speak. I think maybe, you know, he might try to make a move around the edge, but I just don't think, I think he'd just wait out for the the, the offseason. I really don't think he would. I, I know you don't want to lose Kyle Lowry, um, especially just for, for how much he means to that team and to that city. Um, and he has a high price tag, so it's not easy to, to, you know, trade him. Um, 
but I, I, for some reason, I just see them standing pat. I, I don't see them making two because I mean, you don't. You're in that kind of that middle ground where you don't know whether you're a buyer or a seller. Um, and is this kind of year the one that you want to make your push, especially when you know that Philly and Brooklyn are on top of their game? I know Philly lost Joel Embiid, but at the same time, like you know, like they're still you know huge contender. The Nets are a huge contender. The Bucks have found their stride. The, the Heat we just talked about. Like we're not even talking about Boston, who's fluctuating like hell, but at the same time, always a threat. The Celtics, yeah, yeah. for whatever reason, just cannot close out games. Yeah, yeah, and but 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 my point is, you have a lot of teams that are starting to make that move. Remember when we were asking teams to make separation? It's starting to happen just a little bit. So yeah, I mean, and you, you really have to gauge whether or not you're going to be in that conversation. Well, when we talk about teams and how aggressive they're going to be, like when we think teams are going to be sellers. This is why I'll always go back to the Orlando Magic. What do they think they are? Because I didn't think they're going to make the playoffs. They've lost eight in a row now. They've got some pieces that they could move. I mean, Fournier is on an expiring deal. I think they could get something for him. Um, you know, Aaron Gordon, his name has been linked around the league again. Minnesota's interested in him. Um, I mean, if they if they really wanted to go big, I mean, they could get a deal for Vooch. Now, mind you. That's got to be a ridiculously high package, probably in the offseason if they were open to it. But like he ain't going nowhere. No, I don't think he's going anywhere. But like Ross yeah. is another guy that they could move right now if they wanted. But it's just no like, question. But I mean, at least Fournier and probably Gordon, I would be aggressive in moving them because I'm like, where are you going? You're 13 and 26. You're not making the play. may as well play Chumo Kiki. May as well play Mo Bamba. Play the young guys that you have. Cole Anthony. Hopefully he gets healthy soon. But I agree. Um, You're at least too from a Fournier, yeah. yeah, from a Fournier perspective, I agree. Aaron Gordon, I don't know if they would move him, especially because I don't know if they get what they want for him because his trade value, I feel like, is not very great, especially with the injury history that he has. So I, I, I'd be more of a on the Fournier train myself. Um, I, it, it, but I mean, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't the kind of the talk around the league is that like some GMs think this guy could be a stud, and others are like. Eh, I don't know what he is, <laughs> man. Uh, I unfortunately I don't really have conversations too much about Aaron Gordon from, my, but from my perspective, I still don't know what Aaron Gordon is. Is he or is he what he is? Because you know he has had these consistent numbers over his career, uh, and they're just middle of the road. Now your your argument could be he's 25 years old he's still got a long ways to go still in his development he's been in the small forward position he's been in the power forward position uh he hasn't consistently played with you know the the teammates that he needs to play with in order to maximize his potential um we had this conversation a lot about Tobias Harris back in the day did we not um, we did but i mean know? i feel like he's i mean gordon is a starter but at the same time when it comes to the Orlando Magic, he feels like a placeholder for Jonathan Isaac when he gets healthy. Well, yeah, that's that's huge. Uh, Jonathan Isaac's ab absence has you know completely rocked them. Same um, with Fultz. Like the the Orlando Magic could be a much Fultz. you know different team. I'm not saying they'd be a contender or anything, but they could be a much different team if they could stay healthy. But unfortunately, they they haven't been able to do that. Yep, Michael Carter Williams said the same thing. Jason Randall said the same thing uh, to me, and, and I got an interview with uh, Jason coming up on BasketballNews.com here uh, in the in the next few days. And I talked to uh, Michael Carter Williams last week. But go ahead. Well, I was going to say, let's hit on a couple of other teams. So the team that you're in Cleveland, let's talk about the Cavs because they their name's been up. Yep. So you've got Andre Drummond with his big number. They're still talking about Javale McGee. I mean. It, it's feeling more and more to me like McGee will get traded and I, I mean, they'll get minimal for him, whatever it's going to be, but some seconds or whatever. But I'm, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm starting to get the feeling that like they've got a couple offers for Drummond, but like they don't like them because they'd have to take back money or whoever that might be. And maybe he is going to be bought out. So in this case, it sounds like the difficulty is the 28 million that, yeah. that the teams have to match. So, um, as I expected from, from who I have, uh, talked to around the league, it would be a multi-team deal if they get a deal done and they have eight days to do it, uh, with Drummond, uh, the, the feeling is 
it is an asset, but it's not their most valuable asset that they have uh, or trade piece that they have on their team. Um, there are teams calling Cleveland to ask about other players on their roster that they like. Uh, JaVale could be one of those. Uh, Jetty Osmond could be another one of those as well, just because of his fluctuating role, as I've mentioned in the past. But uh, it, it's going to take... Um, it's going to take some creativity uh, to make a deal with Drummond to work. I think the only team uh, straight up that makes sense that they could have work would be the Knicks. But even the Knicks then, was the my, my pick all along. Yeah. Uh, Sacramento was another one that I was thinking about um, just from a perspective of we don't know whether we're in this year or we're out. So let's make a move anyway. We have to get off contracts that we don't want in the first place. So why not bring in, you know, a former all-star big man? But it's it, it's sounding to me more like maybe something doesn't happen here. But at the same time, uh, you know, the, the Cavs are going to keep an open mind. They're not going to rush anything. Uh, they're going to field these calls. Um, and it's it's been more difficult. Uh, from what I understand, because this is a time of year, and, and this is kind of a different conversation, Brian, but I just it's on my mind, so I want to talk about it. This is a different kind of year in the NBA to where the trade deadline is coinciding with March Madness and with conference tournaments. So there have been GMs playing a lot of phone tag, and they're trying to, you know, they're not in their offices just you know, taking these calls uh, as as usual as they would be uh, in previous years. It's, you know, it's St. Patrick's Day uh, when we're recording this right before uh, the afternoon. Like it, these are different dates that the deadline's falling on and different time of year, therefore. So the, the, the framework of deals and the deals that um, are potentially going to surface is going to be much closer um to the deadline than right now. And secondly, secondly, uh, you know, when we talk about the trade deadline, let's not forget there was a blockbuster that happened uh, a couple months ago in the James Harden trade. Like that was a huge, huge deal uh, that, that happened already early in the season. Um, so, you know, that might, that probably is going to be the biggest move of the season. Uh, I know people aren't going to like to hear that, but there's also, you know, not too many big names that are surfacing uh, at the moment. And uh, like I said, it's going to be more marginal, more moves around the edges um, and, and times to, you know, uh, you know, make your team better. But it's it's not going to be your your missing piece, per se. And it's probably, like you said, going to be done last minute. I mean, I, I didn't think there was any major names other than like Lowry. If you want to put Victor Oladipo as a major name. Oladipo, I guess I would, you know, you would count yeah. as just a former, but I think he might be the biggest name that could be moved. But outside of that, I, I think, I don't know how much action we're going to get. There's going to be a lot of talk, but it's like you said, I think it's going to be more fringe complimentary players. And it's going to be something like, all right, we're three hours from the trade deadline. And like, as we tick down the final minutes, it's going to be like, all right, so-and-so, you know, Wayne Ellington is on the move from Detroit, you know, to add shooting because he's hitting 40% of his threes this year. Um, something like that. You know, it could be the stuff. I mean, I, you're I not going to get a Bradley Beal moving. There's no, no chance. No, no, no. I mean, like, I, I think Oladipo is going to get moved. Uh, I think his suitors are, there's not that many. I mean, uh, to me, it's going to be the Knicks, Golden State, or Denver for, for Oladipo. Um, PJ Tucker, he's got to get moved, man. I mean, the, uh, there's a lot of teams apparently that have called for him, but the talk is that the Rockets are asking for a lot. Oh man, and we can just stick on the Rockets. Uh, you, though the one bright spot that team has right now is Kevin Porter Jr., <laughs> and there's not much else. Um, not even Christian Wood. Well, he's on the he's on the shelf, so we can't we can't talk about him. You know, yeah. uh, what is it? They've the lost future, 17 games in a row. 17 in a row. Like now, they it, have a laundry list of injuries, too, but it it hasn't mattered whether they've had injuries or not. Uh, they've had no continuity, um, you know, like many teams. Uh, I'm not going to, you know, go out there and, and excuse them for that. But uh, this team 
isn't, I don't think they're as bad as their record. I love, I, I like the roster a lot. Um, just from a, a uh, young talent standpoint, just headed by Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, as we've seen the, you know, the ridiculous uh, plays that he's made as their, their lead ball handler while John Wall's been out. And I think John Wall might be done for the year because he's got a knee issue. There's he's getting a scope. Getting a, he's scope getting a scope, and I, there, there's no reason to bring him back at this point. It Which sucks well because he's been he'd been having such a good year, right? So I mean, th- there's really no point in rushing him back, you know. Um, and just say let's let's get ready for next season. I mean, they 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 almost need to do a fire sale. I mean, they've got th- the problem too when it comes to what they want to move. So Tucker has got value around the league, however. He hasn't played well this year, and he's a little bit older. So what kind of value are you going to get for a guy that's a rental? Um, Eric Gordon maybe could have been a guy that they could have moved, but now he's sidelined for a while. We don't know when he's going to come back. So, you know, his value, you know, is taking a tumble as well. So, um, yeah, and then Oladipo, he's another guy. He's going to be a rental. So I don't know how much they're going to get for those guys, you know, if and when they move them. But I'm, I would say – Tucker and Oladipo probably are on the move, just where the fit is. Yeah, yeah. I would say that the Rockets would probably be the most active at the trade deadline, just looking for partners and looking to say, okay, let's let's make the, the you know the mood right. Let's you know make sure that we still have our core pieces in place, but use the assets that we have to to gain you know draft capital. Or Absolutely, young they need, assets. They like, need to go the route of the thunder a little bit and just say, "Hey, what can we get? Let's get some future picks. Let's go from there." But by the way, we started talking about Lamarcus Aldridge, and I think he's probably going to be a buyout guy just because of his number. But there, what I is mean, his number? It's in the high twenties, correct? Twenty-eight. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering where the fit is around the league because he is a little bit older. He's going to be a slower guy, but I mean, he's a veteran guy that can hit. Who the, needs a stretch big? Who needs a stretch big? You know, I mean, and that's Boston. Not, well, well, here's the thing. I don't think you're going to depend on this guy to play 30 minutes a night. If you know 15 no. to 20 minutes, he's 24 is what he makes. So look around the league. And I know people are like, well, the Lakers are going to be, he doesn't fit with the Lakers. He just, he really does not. Yeah. You Do guys me- want the rim protector. You don't want the, yes. you want the rim runner. You don't want the, the stretch for you already have the stretch big and that's Mark. Yeah. And I appreciate you seeing you guys. Um, to me the best fit for him quite honestly is phoenix okay because you look at the pace that they play um you know frank the tank has been getting a lot of minutes over there but i mean you could put some of those with the lamarcus and i mean just having you know him coming off the bench and what he can do i mean i think he can just help stabilize their bench even further as they get ready for the playoffs here so I mean that that's a team I would be looking at. I know people have put said Boston as well. Um, maybe I, and Boston's not going to use their their TPE on him, but they could they could um, they could get him as a buyout guy. But and by the way, Boston, here we go again because how many times have we heard trade rumors of them and they never pull the trigger? And we're sitting there going, they've got this twenty eight million dollar exception. Are they going to do something? They're they're having trouble. They're only one. It's Groundhog Day. I and love like, it. Every and, time, every time we were so close, so every, close. Once again, the talk is Danny Ainge not inclined to make a move before the deadline. We'll use the TPE in the offseason. I'm like, good. I mean, it's got to be the right deal for you. But still, I'm like, you can't you can't find a deal with that for even part of it that can help your team right now. I, I guess they want Harrison Barnes. And now the Kings are like, nah, we're going to keep that guy. <laughs> it's like, oh, my goodness. I mean, where, where do you think? Where do you think Aldridge fits? Because, I mean, there's other teams like, you know, the Nets are going to be linked to him a little bit. There's, there's, I mean, Portland's been linked to him a little bit. I mean. He should be linked to Portland. He should be linked to Portland. It would be the perfect reunion. What what a reunion that would be because the whole thing was just like, LaMarcus wants to be the face of the franchise, but everybody knows it's got to be Dame. And then out he goes. Yeah. And he was he was even there for the uh, Brandon Roy years, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Whew. Yeah, that was those are fun teams. But um, so you bring up Phoenix. Uh, I would agree with you there. Uh, I don't know how he would fit with Dario, just because, unless you you know posted him or put him on the block. Did you stagger um, the minutes where they're not on the court that much? Uh, then what do you do with DeAndre? You know, like it, it's a, it's a numbers game. 
Um, Utah, 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 I could see. I would love to see him split minutes with Derek Favors, and that would give them a different look out of a big. Uh, you know, Favors being the the bruiser and Aldridge being the more finesse guy. Mm-hmm. I think he would fit in, in Utah really well, and it would save Favors some miles on his legs. Um, that's an interesting one. That yeah, I, think. I didn't even really think about that, but yeah, that, that could be a fit because I think they play the pace that would work as well mm-hmm. because, you're, I mean, he's not going to be sprinting up and down the court. No, I mean. no. <laughs> uh, Milwaukee? I mean, they've been playing, you know, a guy like Bobby Portis as a as the, you know, small ball five uh, coming off the bench. They've played him as a four as well, but uh, that's just somebody that I think about at the top of my head. Um, I mean, that would be a good Especially pick. because they shoot so many threes. Yeah, I mean, for LaMarcus, you, you know, he wants to be on a contender, I'm sure. And the Bucks are right there. Yep. And you already you already mentioned, um, you know, I don't think he's a fit in either L.A. team. Uh, I don't think they need that. I just don't see it. I mean, he does, he because of what his skill set is. If he was a rim protector, then I think both L.A. teams would be interested in him. Denver. I mean, I, you could look at Denver, but then Maybe. you're starting to slide down the standings. You know, yeah. So, so I'm I'm not exactly sure where for him. Like I, you know, Denver. I see them more as a, you know, going for a wing like an Oladipo. Um, you know, and when it comes to the LA teams, or especially when it comes to the Lakers, because everybody's always going to talk about the Lakers and what they're going to do. I don't think they're going to make any trades. Um, if they do, it's going to be a real small one. Like I, I mentioned, Wayne Ellington, like. That's a guy they could do. They could do like McKinney and a second round pick for Wayne Ellington. I mean, they he makes could, it Wayne, baby. I love Wayne Ellington. And that's, I mean, that's a vet, that's hey, the, vet right there. The Lakers had him back in the day too. So they could do that. Drummond, I think is their big ticket item. They're, you know, they're, they dream guy if he gets bought out, but the Lakers have no money to offer anybody. It's veteran minimum. And if the Nets want Drummond, they can offer him was like 5 million bucks or something. So they can offer him a lot more. It's just where does he want to play if he gets bought out? And those two teams seem to be at the top of the list when it comes to trying to grab him. Yep. And I will, again, stress the importance of Andre Drummond not wanting to leave money on the table because of his bird rights. Like, that's the reason that this hasn't been done yet. Um, it's It's leaving a lot of money on the table. I, I don't think he and wants to get bought out. In this he study. doesn't want to get bought out. Yeah, exactly. So that's what makes it such a difficult situation to navigate. Yeah, and and I mean, and the Cavs are in a tricky spot because if they want to move him, it has to be something where they're not taking on long-term money. Uh, to me, that's the whole thing. It's just like, I'm not worried if we only get second-round picks or what players, but I'm not taking on big money for future years. Right, right. And again, if this happens, it's going to be a three-team or four-team trade. There's yeah. there's very little situations where you can just do a a one-for-one, one, um, a team-for-team. Team. But so w- one of those uh, teams that we have not addressed yet and with the probably the biggest news uh, in the last week has been Joel Embiid going down. Luckily, luckily, it is not as serious as what it appeared to be, the way that he landed. Um, and it was, it was non-contact. It looked like his, his knee really went the way that your knee is not supposed to bend. (laughs) Um, but he will be reevaluated in two weeks. The team is calling it a bone bruise. Um, so, you know, thankfully it looks like he's going to be all right. I would not rush him back any more than, than I need to. They can stay afloat if they don't, you know, if they're not the number one seed, fine. But if they're they're somewhere one between between one and four when all is said and done, then I think you're still fine, especially because you would have home court. Um, but it it just sucks to see because he was having an MVP caliber season. It was him, LeBron, and Jokic at the top three. I think um, this is going to negatively impact his 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 chances to win that award. Not that he probably gives a damn about an individual accolade at this point of his career, um, but it just as a fan, it sucks to see someone who was having such success uh, go down with an injury, especially because we know you know he's had an injury history and he looked like he was finally playing you know well. He was loose. He was just you know doing pull ups. He was handling the ball, taking guys off the dribble. 
And, you know, you can go back to the clip that, that, you know, I had on this show, uh, you know, a month ago, two months ago, um, and talking about his MVP chances. So it just, it just sucks, uh, honestly, but I think the Sixers are okay, uh, to remain afloat. Uh, we saw one reason on Tuesday night, Tobias Harris, um, just now that, you know, he's, he's with doc, he's able to revert to that, you know, go to or second guy, uh, status. And he put up, I believe it was 30 points. Um, was big time for them. Seth Curry, another guy spreading the floor. Uh, we know what Ben Simmons is capable of, uh, you know, in transition, but I think the most important part of all of this is Dwight Howard, Dwight Howard guys. Big time, big time off the bench. And, and and here's the funny part. They're not starting Dwight Howard. They've been starting Tony Bradley instead and still keeping Dwight in the same role as to not mess with the, 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 the you know, the flow that Dwight has. Um, and I think that's a smart idea. And plus, you're getting Tony ba- uh, Bradley some valuable experience by, by playing in these minutes. Uh, just at the beginning of the week, uh, last week, uh, you know, Tony Bradley went seven for seven from the field at 14 points. <laughs> uh, and that's what Joel Embiid tweeted out uh, Tony Bradley for, for MVP or something. Uh, but Bruce I Brown think, already has that locked up. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, but I think that them having this depth at the big man position and having somebody who's capable of, of being a scorer like Tobias Harris, that they're going to be okay in this meantime that Joel can heal. I mean, it's scary when you see any guy go down, but especially somebody with the injury history that Joel has. And thankfully, it's only going to be, you know, maybe a couple of weeks. We'll see how long it's going to be. I mean, they're going to be cautious. I don't know if they're going to be the, you know, Lakers, Anthony Davis cautious, because I don't think that he is coming back until maybe the last week of March, maybe the beginning of April. I mean, they're going to be overly cautious because they're talking about an Achilles there. So even if Joel misses, you know, three weeks, four weeks. He'll be ready for the postseason. Um, and they're going to be a terror. I mean, this is why you go out and you get a Dwight Howard is because you you want to have that backup. And just in case something does happen with Embiid, I mean, Dwight can take on more minutes if need be. He's obviously not the same player, but he does so many different intangible things that are going to help that team that you can get by when you have these moments where Joel is going to take time off, whether he's dinged up or whether he just needs a night off to rest. I will disagree with you on one thing though. You said that Joel doesn't care too much about the MVP. I think that's hogwash. I think Joel does care about the MVP and he wants to win it. I don't know if he cares as much about it as LeBron, but he definitely cares about it. And I think Joel is going for it. And that's going to be the thing too, where we'll see like, is this going to sidetrack his chances of getting MVP? Because even if he only misses two weeks, okay, LeBron's gunning for it. And that dude ain't missing any time. He's missed one game so far. And that was the last game before the all-star break. And you know what the sentiment with a lot of media is going to be like, oh, he's the best player in the league and he hasn't won an MVP in eight seasons or whatever it is. And um, so Joel's got a tough battle there. And um, I don't think if he only misses like two or even three weeks, it should disqualify him because he was the MVP of the first half of the season. And if he comes back and starts doing that again, then and the Sixers have the best record in the East. I mean, it's it's going to be tough not to pick him. I just I just hope that that wouldn't push him to rush the recovery process. I don't that's, think the team would allow my... it. I, I think the team would say, "Hey, this is what we're doing, dude." So I know you want to win MVP, but um, I think you want to win a title a little bit more. Right, right. I hear you. Shut Brian, that let's, down. Take take it out of the player. Don't let the player make the choice. You be the bad guy. That's that's what you have to do if you're a team. Yeah, you it's your job. Guy. It is your job. It is your job. Brian, I wanted to talk about the Bulls. Um, Please do. Because Lori we, marketing posterized. <laughs> Dude, I'm just saying we haven't talked about them much uh, on this podcast this season. Uh, so I just wanted to show them a little bit of love. Uh, you know, we we mentioned Zach Levine, you know, in in passing, but he's just really, this guy is just taking another step forward. I don't know how the hell any, you know, fan in that city would want to move him, 
you know, and quote unquote sell high. He's just been a joy. He's been a joy to watch this year and just develop into a all around player. Um, he's just, what is it? He dropped a 40 on Tuesday night. Yes, he did. Something like that. Um, but it's just the, the, you know, the assist numbers, the, 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 the clutch play. I know it wasn't, it wasn't a close game last night, but still, um, he's just been so much better and so much more efficient as a player overall than what we've seen in the past. He's, he's not just a gunner. No, no, not anymore. Um, and I mean, that, that's kind of, uh, you know, uh, validated by going to the all-star game and doing what he did, you know? Uh, there's, there's obviously ups and downs when it comes to, to Kobe white, uh, Wendell Carter was, was having, uh, many issues, uh, but since his move to the bench, these last two games, it looks like he's himself again. And that's big time. That's a big coaching move by Billy Donovan to do that and to help him regain his confidence. Um, you know, defensively, he'd been really good against the Raptors and the, the thunder in these last two games. Um, you know, they moved Thaddeus young into the starting lineup now and kind of swapped them. Uh, Thaddeus young, by the way, my God, what a season he's having. He is, he has been outstanding, uh, offensively, defensively, just somebody you can depend on. And it's, it, we need to get this guy on a championship team at some point. Like he's always on these teams that are just like on the fringe. And I just want to see him thrive with a team that's contending. Uh, it, it hasn't happened, but man, like he is just so important to the, to this group right now. And that that's part of the reason that they're in this race. They're, they're in 18 and 20 position right now, only two and a half back of the Knicks who have the eighth spot. Currently um, we have teams that are free falling right now, like the Pacers, uh, the Raptors, we mentioned Washington's lo- on a losing streak after I gloated about them and, and figuring it out They're on a losing streak. They- yeah. <laughs> and watch out for the Knicks too, because the Knicks second half schedule is rough. And they put up one hell of a battle against New York, by the way, yeah. a couple of days ago. That was, I felt the intensity of that game. That was very, very fun to watch. And it sucks that, uh, you know, Scott Foster down this, the stretch made the call that he did. And, mm. and uh, you know, cause Kyrie clearly stripped <laughs> Julius Randall um, that Julius couldn't pick up his dribble uh, according to, to Foster, but he, very well could have. I'm glad that somebody they like the whole bench held Julius back because he might not he be was mad. the rest of the season because he, he was mad. He was so hot. He was, was like, he, he's going to go after him, man. They had to stop him, but oh yeah, carry him off the court. Yep. He was there. He was going to ring him by the neck, but man, uh, well, the Knicks, they're fun. They're yeah. Fun. I mean, the, the bulls though, it's, isn't it weird that like a couple weeks ago, I kind of felt like these could be big sellers if they really want to. I mean, I, I didn't think they were going to trade Zach Levine, but his name was out there a little bit, but I'm, I'm looking going, if they really wanted, they could get value for Lori marketing. They could value for Thaddeus young. They could maybe get a little value for Gary temple. If they wanted to move him, you know, there was a lot of people that were looking at Otto Porter saying, well, he makes like, you know, almost $29 million. And like, I'm telling you, just do the swap, do the swap, Kobe, just do the swap. Porter for Drummond. Easy but, I mean, money. What they could do, though, is like, you know, I mean, a lot of teams are circling that to saying, okay, he's going to get bought out, and then we could get Otto Porter for a stretch run. And now I look at the Bulls and their position. Like you said, they're only a half game behind the Knicks. They're a young team. And, yeah, they could lose some guys in the offseason, but I think they're looking at going, well, screw it, man. We're, we're finally healthy. Let's play with this core out, and let's see where we go. We're 40 I mean, games in, and we're still in it. Yeah. And we didn't know we would be in this position at the beginning of the season. I mean, I'm higher on marketing than maybe some people because I know the injuries, but like he's so unique to be in a seven foot guy that can do the things that he could do. And, you know, I mean, he put, he put up what, 21, 22, you know, on Tuesday night. And, uh, you know, he, uh, he blessed Moses Brown to say the least. Um, so <laughs> poor Moses, man, he, Moses had 20 and 16 on Tuesday night. So he did he had a whatever. great game, but everybody talks about like that dude got posterized, but I mean, but marketing, I mean, he, he doesn't even make $7 million. He's got value, but it's just like, you look at that team and the pieces that they got and, you know, We'll see what they do here down the stretch. I mean, they're going to be frisky. I, I thought they'd be frisky before the season started, and they're finally starting to to do that. Yes, yes. No, I agree. Um, we, I want to I want to stick in the Eastern Conference. Maybe we'll hit the West next week. 
but there's just so many teams that that I wanted to get to. Um, Atlanta. So remember how I was destroying, uh, you know, Travis Schlank and the organization for ousting Lloyd Pierce and, you know, the players, you know, having a, a bad attitude, all of that. Uh, well, I'm eating my words at the moment mm. because they are learning how to close games. Most of the games they've been playing have been pretty close. And they've had those final stretches where they're like finding themselves. Uh, obviously, getting Bogdan Bogdanovich was huge. Uh, you know, uh, they've been they'd been missing so many players that it had affected their encore product. I still don't think that Trey Young is healthy. I I will stand by that one. I don't think he's the same. But Gallo, uh, you know, contributions from Gallo. Um, contributions from Kevin Herter, uh, you know, big time, big time players uh, right now for this team. While Trey is clearly hampered or struggling and not himself, I think uh, that's been huge for them. It's been a a collective effort, as cliche as it sounds. Uh, you need to watch Nathan Knight play. That dude is full of energy. He's fun. Uh, and I'm guessing that Nate McMillan's going to just keep him around that rotation playing 20 minutes a night, uh, until he gives him a reason not to, um, cause the last two games he's been outstanding. Um, but what, what's your opinion on this, this, uh, shoot up the board by, by the Hawks, especially when Trey Young's not the one behind it, uh, scoring wise. Well, I think in some weird way, because he is hampered and I want to see him get healthy, but I think it's, it's made him not have to be as aggressive because we all know he could be overly aggressive and it's allowed the other parts to kind of do their job because we've seen those contributions from Gallo. Like you said, now that he's healthy, John Collins is still playing really well. Herder, you're going to get good shooting out of the bench is playing a little bit better. Like you said, Knight has been, you know, just out of nowhere, kind of this exciting thing. And then getting, you know, Bogdan back, that's obviously a big help. So like the other pieces have to step up and they've been able to do it. This is more of the team that we thought they were going to be come the beginning of the season. They've won six in a row. I mean, they beat the heat outside of that. The other teams they beat, they're not good, but this is the NBA and you take wins where you can get them. You should beat bad teams, you know, as well. And they've been close, but They've been getting wins, and that's that's what matters. They're back at 500 on the season now. Yep, and a, and a team that the Hawks, uh, I, that me and Alex prior to the season were debating who would make the the playoff push, uh, and and currently, uh, you know, both are are in the race. Uh, is the Hornets? Uh, we've you know frothed the mouth over what Lamelo's done, and rightfully so because he's just been sensational. Um, but I just want people to start respecting what Terry Rozier is doing. It is his birthday, by the way, the day that we record this. Uh, he's a St. Patty's Day baby. Happy Scary Terry. 27 years old for Scary Terry. Uh, but by, If, if but people want to rack on me on something, okay, I, I wasn't a big on Charlotte before the season. That's, that's a big uh, error on me. I, I, misfire? I, I was a total misfire. I... You know, I, I they've had a very, very good stretch here. Um, and it's been really fun to watch. They're a fun team to watch. Uh, they win close with, games. They close out games. And you know why? Because of Scary Terry. It's not LaMelo making the big shots. It, it's, it's Terry Rozier making the big Terry shots. It's Terry Rozier and Gordon Hayward. Yep. And, and, Hort, and Hayward stayed healthy this year. And be, between those two guys being the vets on the team and doing their thing and then adding the excitement of LaMelo ball. And that dude's even shooting well, which I cannot believe, which is one of the reasons I wasn't that high on him, but um, as funky as his shot looks, maybe he's getting tips from his brother down in, you know, in new Orleans, because so I don't know where the ball brothers could shoot. They um, can, they and, can Lonzo's Lonzo's really found it, man. We, we, we've talked about that, but I mean, but I mean, LaMelo has been, um, better than advertised. And I, I wasn't somebody very high on him and I got to eat those words, man. Yep. And, and now I'm interested too, with Charlotte, they've got Devonte Graham back. Um, after missing, you know, two weeks or actually more than two weeks, like three weeks of action. 
Um, I'm interested how they incorporate him into the rotation, how many minutes he gets, because obviously, you know, you can't not play Malik Monk. Uh, you know, the Martin twins have, whichever one of the Martin twins that has, has had the hot hand has played well, especially on the defensive end. Cause that's what they're known to do. Um, they've got a lot of bodies that are capable, uh, never split up Airbnb and that's, Miles Bridges and, and LaMelo. Uh, that's a great combo uh, and, and an entertaining combo at that. Uh, PJ Washington has been excellent defensively. And, you know, just, a, you know, at the end of February, had a 42 point night. Like, so, you know, he's able to do what he's able to do. Well, I mean, they've uh, they, won four they've in got, a row. They're, they're they, 20 and 18. They're the five seed in the East. So let me ask you this, okay? Should they be a team to look out for to make a move here at the deadline? Because they, if do you want to buy, if you want to buy, Cody Zeller is in the final year of a deal that makes over 15 million. So they could do something here. If you want to buy, if, I will if, say this. If they want to buy, who, who do you think would be an ideal fit? Like what kind of position or player? Uh, I think it's the most obvious thing right now is the center position. And, uh, you know, we mentioned Co- Cody Zeller and what he's able to do, but if you want to be pushed over the edge, there is an all-star center that's out on the market. Is there not Brian? There absolutely is. So, I mean, they, and his name is Andre Drummond. And and here's the thing. It's hard to make it work for a team for team deal. They would have to hold on. I, I will look it up in my own article, but I believe it would have to be Bismack. It would have to be Cody Zeller. Oh, I can Um, look it up right now. Um, even a Malik Monk, uh, to make the money work, yeah, 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 which I don't know if they would do. But at the same time, they have Devonte Graham, you know, so they, they have to make a decision there. Yeah, you're the, right. The worst thing, the worst thing is, is the Devonte Graham doesn't make very much money. Uh, you're the, right. It's it would be Zeller, Monk, and Biombo would have to yep. be the deal. And even then, the Hornets would be taking on an additional four and a half million dollars. Right, right. But it, it just depends, I guess, how hungry those teams are to compete. Now, again, as I was saying earlier, the likelihood is that it's going to be a multi-year deal for Andre Drummond if if one suffices. So Multi-team deal, you mean? Yes. Would I say multiplayer? Well, you said multi-year. Sorry, yeah. Well, wherever he lands, they <laughs> multi, might want multi. to give him a multi-year deal, but it's going to no, take multiple yeah. teams. Yeah, yeah that, was a mis- that was a misspeak. Multi-team deal, yes. Uh, multiple teams. So we'll see. I guess it depends on like what that third team is getting out of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, facilitating deals, you usually get a second round pick out of it. Hey, or you get a young KC. Okay, what are you doing, buddy? You hey, want another pick? I've mentioned in the past, the Cavs have been very nice to teams in the past mm-hmm. for taking on money and facilitating deals. So maybe one of these other teams repays them. Who knows? Hey, Houston, are you looking for some picks? How about you give us a helping hand? So, I mean, there, there are a couple of teams. There's not too many, but they're like the Knicks are another pass through team they could use because they have cap space as well. Um, you know, so, I mean, there, there, there's some options that are out there. It's just, I'm not exactly sure what the deal would be, but I, I agree. I think it would have to be a third team if they wanted to get involved in Drummond. Agreed, sir. Agreed. Uh, I think that's good for this week. Maybe we'll hit the West teams and where they're at as well um, in the next episode. You don't want to break down the Lakers, Timberwolves track meet that took place on Tuesday night where both teams got over 50%. Give me a recap. Give me a recap. Off the top of my head, I saw the box score once. I watched part of this game, okay? Both teams shot over 50% from the field. The Lakers shot 57.5% from the field in this game. They hit 50% of their threes. The Lakers' lowest scoring quarter was 31. The game was 71 to 70 at the half. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> I don't know. All I know is that Trez looked great. I was very happy with what I saw from Trez and what I've seen from Trez, honestly. Trez is, um, he's been killing it for like the last seven games, I think it is. He's been averaging over 20 points. And by the way, I know Shaq has this thing where he's just like, why aren't you starting? If you really want to be an impact guy, you should be starting. Guess what? Montrez started one game. didn't go that well. And he's like, I want to come off the bench. I, I play better there. I fit better there. I'm used to that role. I want to be on the bench. And that's his best role. There's some guys that come off the bench better. Jordan Clarkson, 
guess what? He comes off the bench in Utah and he's probably going to be the sixth man of the year. So there's some guys that just fit that well. And by the way, I don't know if you caught this on the Tuesday night edition of inside the NBA, where they interviewed Jordan Clarkson after the game. And Dwayne Wade said, if I could ever come back to the NBA and be somebody, I want to be you Jordan, because I don't have to put as much wear and tear on my body. I can come off the bench. I have a green light to shoot whenever I want. And plus, I love the way that you dress. (laughs) (laughs) Which is just great. I was like, it's perfect, D-Wade. That is. That is awesome. (laughs) They were teammates, you know. They were teammates. No, they they like each other a lot. You can tell. Yep. yep. By by the way, the Lakers shopping uh, Alfonso McKinney. He's played the last couple of games. What's going on here? (laughs) Hey, hey, what a joke! I'm just, I'm just joking around a little bit. Caruso's don't, don't front on my guy Zoe. I love Zoe. I'm not saying Zoe's anything a good player. Them. I mean that that's the trade. Wayne, you know, Wayne Ellington for Alfonso McKinney in a second round pick. Come on, yes, sir, yes, sir. And Tht, by the way, big time when Caruso's been out, uh, just as he a playmaker has. and as as driving. You can just tell that his confidence is there when he's in that lead ball handler role. The thing about him is that, that he's made a difference is he's finally letting the game come to him a little bit. You could tell in the first half, he was forcing it too much. You get in these situations, he over penetrates or just finds himself in bad situations. And like in the last week or so, he has found himself, like you said, as a playmaker, it's like, it's like he slowed down just a little bit and said, I'm not going to force the issue here. Well, Remember, and, this is basically his rookie year. It is like, and- And LeBron is coming out and saying, we are so lucky to have THT. We love this guy. There's no way he would slip into the second round if he was coming out in the draft. Team politicking out here, Bron. I see you. I see you. Huge team politicking. Are you kidding me, man? He's just like, I love this guy. I love him. Last note before we get out of here on that game. Boy, you guys look like idiots putting Anthony Edwards in the grave, don't you? Oh, my God. He's averaging 26 and five this month over five games is his, his usage is up to 32%. Wow. Uh, he's shooting 45% from the field and 35% from beyond the arc. And if you're going to look at his defensive rating, don't even go there because the team just sucks defensively. So that's not something to, to peg him for, especially since he's 19 or 20 years old. So I, you know, I, I saw where yeah. Frank Vogel flat out said, like when we were you know game planning for this. He goes, everybody knows about towns, but the guy we really had to look out for is Anthony Edwards, just because of, like you said, his usage lately has been so much higher. And this guy is incredible. Um, or his play is starting to really pick up the pace. So, oh, and by the way, we have some breaking news. Christian Wood is returning tonight for the Rockets against uh, the Warriors. Oh, my goodness. Oh, let's let's end on this note then. Do the Warriors lose? Is the game on national television? Because if they're not on national TV, the Warriors will win. If, the national t- if, the, if they are on national TV, then the Warriors are going to lose. I will find out right now. Let me look here real quick because, I mean, 17-game losing streak is on the line. Here. I swear, those two games against the Lakers that were on national television, I was like, does this team have a heartbeat? And then I watch them against a different team, and I'm like, oh, they look okay. Like, Draymond's playing really well. Like, they're, he's getting a bunch of assists and stuff. Uh, Ubre's finding his stride a little bit. And then I watch him play against the Lakers on national TV, and they're just not there. National TV, the- ESPN, Wednesday night. Bucks Sixers, the late game, Clippers Mavericks. Okay, that's part two. That's part two there. So Warriors okay. Rockets is not nationally televised. Warriors win that game. Yes. Uh, and <laughs> they're, they're coming they, off yeah, another they, whooping by the Lakers from earlier this week. Well, they they lost week uh, the, five out of six. So the Warriors uh, beat so. the Jazz, and it's like woohoo! Let's you know let's get back on the roll here, and then they get thumped by the Lakers. Yep. Can't predict these things, Brian. Can't predict these things. You cannot. I I will predict another Rockets loss tonight, though. We'll see. We'll see what's what, what's what's got uh, KPJ in the bag with with Kristen Wood. I'm I'm interested to see this combo. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's gonna wrap it up. I think this week uh, we've definitely talked our turkey. Uh, we are a part of the BasketballNews.com podcast network. There are ten great podcasts for you to listen to, including this one with your boys. As I mentioned earlier, the Rex Chapman show made its debut on Tuesday. He had a guest, Del Curry, his former teammate on the Charlotte Hornets, a good friend of his. 
And the podcast was excellent. Lots of stories about Steph. Um, he had some stuff he said about Muggsy Bogues. Talked about what LaMelo's doing this year. Uh, very good stuff from Dell on the Rex Chapman show. So make sure to check that out. Neat and Unfiltered with Kenyon Martin and Jada Kiss. That comes out the same day as this podcast. So you get double the fun. So make sure you listen to that. And uh, of course, the Posecast with James Posey just had Udonis Haslam on. What a great guest to have. Just the the, the godfather almost uh, to, Pot, to Pat Riley, uh, not to steal his nickname, but uh, just somebody on the heat that's just so, so close to that organization and to that city. Dishes and Dimes with the ladies, the rematch with Etan Thomas, the dunker spot with Nikias Duncan and Steve Jones Jr., the Alex Kennedy podcast with Alex Kennedy, the Sheridan show with Chris Sheridan, and the follow-through with Clips and Drew. And again, you have us here on Keeping It 94, always keeping it real, keeping it 94 feet. That's the reason it's called that. Maybe we change our logo a little bit. Who knows? But I am on Twitter at Spin Davies. He is on Twitter at Brian Fritz. I am on Instagram at Spin Davies. He is on Instagram at It's Brian Fritz. Make sure to rate, review, subscribe on Apple, Stitcher, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. And be sure to visit basketballnews.com. Trade deadline's nine days away. Actually, eight days away since this is the 17th. So make sure to keep it locked to basketballnews.com for all of the latest. And of course, we will see you next week. You next week.